I'm Dr. Joe Esposito, and welcome to our podcast for the health of it. Remember to subscribe to our podcasts, and I'll help you naturally get well and stay well. The information presented on this program is not intended to take the place of your personal physician's advice, and it is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Discuss this information with your own physician or healthcare provider to determine what is right for you. Are you suffering needlessly? Dr. Joe can give you advice on how to naturally get well and stay well. Dr. Joe Esposito. Now we're going to talk about the other end of the colon, right? Right, right uh, called your ileocecal valve, kind of right above your right hip. And that's a valve that opens and closes. So food passes from the small intestine into the large intestine, the valve opens. Then the valve closes, you digest food, and you pass it on. If the valve is stuck open or closed, we have a problem. So the ileocecal valve is a sphincter at the end of the small intestine, connects to the large intestine, and it's right above the, right above the appendix in the lower side of your abdomen. So what the valve, when the valve doesn't function properly, a host of problems can occur, gastrointestinal problems. There's also other problems, including heart symptoms, blood pressure problems, uh, even migraine headaches can, re- can occur. So this is a trick that you can do. You can massage the valve, and that'll encourage it to proper, properly function. So how do we do it? Place your left thumb on your navel and your right thumb on your right hip. Okay, imagine a line connecting the two. Right in the middle is where your ileocecal valve is. So if you place uh, three fingers below the middle of the line, you're gonna be close to the ileocecal valve. So it's kind of, if you draw a line between your hip and your belly button, that's kind of where you are. And that should be where the ileocecal valve is. On men's trousers, there's usually a belt hoop right about there, right above the air, right below the area actually. And if you press with your fingers, you press firmly and you're gonna find a tender spot. Now, believe me, this area will be tender in about 90% of Americans, and we will, it's like finding a golf ball underneath a pillow. So what, I'm, what I want you to feel for is sort of like uh, the tip of your nose. That's what it's going to feel like. So you push between your hip and your belly button. You push in there. Well, you're laying down. It's much easier when you're laying down. And you push in, and you'll feel something soft like the tip of your nose. So it's more, um, it's, it's, it, I, I like the pillow analogy because uh, it keeps you from palpating uh, until you get to the right spot. So palpate, what does that mean? Palpate means you want to feel the area. So if you're feeling that area, um, you, you can press slowly in there and you'll hit that tender spot. So what, once you do, you're going to massage, and you're going to massage in a clockwise motion. You don't want to massage counterclockwise, clockwise. Now, sometimes it's easier to locate the tender spot when you're laying down because you don't have, you don't have gravity and muscles there. Uh, using some uh, lotion if you want to might be able to help you find it more easily. You can use coconut oil, olive oil. Uh, don't use vegetable oils. Vegetable oils are high in omega-6 fatty acids. Omega-6 fatty acids can cause inflammation. I want you to keep those away from your body at all costs. So once you find it, you're going to massage in a circular motion and as if you would if you have a cramped muscle. Because really, the whole digestive tract, all the way up to the throat and down to the rectum, is a muscular tube. And any section can cramp. You can kind of get Charlie horses, and it can become too weak to function, and the muscles have to relax to function normally. So massage should be done about three times a day before meals, and at least do it uh, when you're going to bed before you go to sleep, and in the morning before you get out of bed. So when you get in bed, rub that spot. When you wake up, do that spot. Some people experience gurgling. You might have gas forming. You might have burping. These are called borborygmy. It's called bowel sounds. Now, these sounds can occur after massage, and sometimes you may have to run to the bathroom. And this is a little trick we do, especially with kids. When kids are constipated, we teach the mothers to do the ileocecal valve massage and then massage the whole colon. So what you can do is just massage up, across, down, and out. You always want to massage again in a clockwise motion. And you start at the right hip, go up to the ribs, across the other side of the ribs, down to the other hip, 
And if you just do that, babies are really good at this. We massage that area and bam, they go to the bathroom. And mother's like, what did you do to my kid? Nothing. We just found the spasms in the colon and got it to release. Now, all of these are evidence that this valve needs help. If you have bur gurgling, if you have pain. Now, you'll find that the tenderness is going to subside after about a week or two of you massaging this technique. Uh, and you'll feel much better and you'll be a lot healthier for it. So this, again, I try to give you things that you can do at home. The same massage when applied to the rest of the colon by massaging from the ileocecal valve up across and down you might, will help as well. So you might hit little tender points. And if you hit a tender point, you want to rub in a clockwise motion. Like I said, you go up across, down the left side, and to the opposite side of the abdomen. Uh, so you're right across the ileocecal valve. Firm, deep massage encourages proper bowel function. So many people have bowel problems because they have spasm colon. Learn where the tender spots are, the hard areas are, and continue to massage daily until they're gone. It's simple, it's easy, it's free. Now, the whole massage can be done with your clothing on. Uh, you can take time to find the tender spots when you're laying on your back by yourself. You're going to be a lot healthier for it. Now, correcting the hiatal hernia, uh, why does the stomach decide to climb up through the diaphragm and move toward the throat? The answer is it doesn't go willingly. The stomach doesn't want to be up against the diaphragm. It's pushed up against the digestive tract when it's full of gas. We talked about if there's a trauma, if you're punched, car accidents many times, seatbelts could cause this to happen. And many, the gas is caused by putrefying or fermenting gases uh, from the food rotting in the colon. And the intestines are muscles, so they swell up like a balloon, and they push the stomach up into where the diaphragm is. Now, this in turn can cause the esophageal tube to kink and make difficulty swallowing issues. Uh, you're putting pressure on the organs above the diaphragm. Now you're not absorbing your nutrients. You might get lack of nutrients. And the body allows the weak connective tissue and muscles not to heal. And the diaphragm opening will start to weaken and permit more stomach to go up through the opening, that lower esophageal sphincter. Now the diaphragm will create a pinching force on the muscles of the stomach, causing a lower blood flow. And that's a, that can cause cramping in the upper stomach muscles. So many times when they eat, you get cramping. Now you know why. Just like a muscle that cramps in your arm or your leg, the displacement also puts pressure on the main artery and vein in the lower part of the body, which can cause poor circulation. And if you have circulatory issues, that can put a lot of big stress on the heart. So once again, this, this great mimicker can cause a lot of problems. The stomach is up against the diaphragm, you have problems. The ileocecal valve syndrome, symptoms might be, we talked about the hiatal hernia, symptoms might be right shoulder pain, right-sided pelvic pain, low back pain, flu-like symptoms, Pain surrounding the heart, ringing in the ears. So many people come to us, Doc, I have tinnitus. I don't know what to do about it. I've been to 10 different doctors. We check their digestive system. We pull the stomach away from the diaphragm. We adjust their ileocecal valve and then show them how to do it. And they're very happy. Dizziness, loss of balance called syncope, headaches, bad breath. Your face is pale, dark circles under the eyes, dizziness, bowel disturbances. So what can cause all these problems with the ileocecal valve? How about dehydration? So many of you are not drinking enough water. And here's the rule on drinking water, because people argue all the time. You need eight glasses, you're not eating glasses. When you pee, your pee should be relatively clear and not have any odor to it. Now, if you're taking Dr. Joe's B-complex or even essential source and super greens, you're going to get B vitamins in there, and that could turn to pee yellow. That's okay. But if you want to, pee in a clear glass and look at it. Smell it. It should be clear, and it should come out easily. If there's problems... That, can, that, that would be a sign of dehydration. Another thing you can do is grab the skin behind your hand and pull it up. And then let go of it. And it should snap back. If it stays wrinkly up like that, chances are you have dehydration. 
we talked about how emotions can affect the digestive system because your digestive system is, is a sympathetic, sympathetic nerve speeds you up, parasympathetic slow you down. If you're constantly emotionally stressed in the sympathetic mode, you're not downshifting into the parasympathetic mode, and that can be a problem. Overeating. Folks, I can't stress this enough. And let me explain how to avoid overeating. Because we've all done it. We've all been gluttons. There's a hormone in your stomach that's released when you eat food called leptin. And leptin is released from your stomach, goes into the blood system, and goes into the hypothalamus in your brain and tells you that you're full. It takes 20 minutes to get the message from your stomach to your hypothalamus to say that you're full. So here's the way you avoid overeating. When you're hungry, like you're starving, you got to eat something, eat a little bit and stop. Wait 10 minutes or 20 minutes and then eat again. So this is where mom and grandma were wrong. I want you to ruin your appetite before every meal. Because if you're hungry and you sit down to a big meal, you're going to eat and eat and eat. And then 20 minutes later, you're going to feel, oh my God, I can't move. I'm so full. You're all bloated. So here's a little trick. Have a little bit of food 15 or 20 minutes before you eat. What could that be? A couple of handfuls of nuts. Maybe grab some sunflower seeds or pistachios or walnuts or cashews and grab about two handfuls, eat them, and then start getting ready for your meal. Going out to dinner, have a little snack before you leave. Number one, you're going to eat a lot less food. You're going to save a lot of money. But number two, you're going to get the production of leptin up into the hypothalamus so your body starts working normally again. And gluttony is a big issue. I don't usually go to buffets. And the reason is I'm a glutton. And I want to eat everything on the buffet if I can. Of course, everyone has that goal, right? But you can't. And that's where the problems start to come in. So I'm begging you, please, don't overeat. That's one of the big problems we have with digestive issues. If you eat too frequently, it takes time to get the food from your stomach into your small intestine. Big heavy meal, steak, six hours, up to six hours. Something simple like some fruit passes out pretty quickly, usually 20 minutes or a half hour. So if you're going to eat a big heavy meal, you got to give yourself at least five or six hours before you have another meal. So don't put partially digested food and put undigested food on top of it. The stomach doesn't know what to do. Do I pass the undigested food into the small intestine or do I wait until it's digested? you got to be careful. So you should eat, spread out your meals a good five hours apart, at least, or six would be ideal. So six hours would be great. If you eat too quickly, once again, you're putting too much, uh, you're probably sucking down air, it's going to put bloating into the stomach, and you're not giving the body a chance to produce the leptin to go into the hypothalamus to make you feel like you're full. If you're eating foods that you're sensitive to, if you're not chewing your food, that's a big issue as well. So it's very important that you chew your food so that your stomach doesn't have teeth. Remember that. So if you're eating something and you're, you're not chewing it, the stomach can't do the, the mouth's job, and now the stomach is trying to break the proteins into amino acids. It rots in the coal. The stomach goes into the small intestine. Now your pancreas kicks in. So you, you've got, you got a backup plan for everything, carbohydrates, fats, and proteins. Your mouth produces saliva, and saliva has something in it called salivary amylase. And salivary amylase helps start to break down carbohydrates. One of the tricks we do if you want something to taste sweet is add a little salt to it. This is why when you bake goods, you add a little salt. Why? Because when you add the salt, the salt causes the salivary glands to release saliva, which the salivary amylase breaks down to sugars and makes it taste sweeter. Pretty cool. So your mouth's job is to start working on carbohydrates. Your stomach's job is to work on proteins. Then your stomach passes the food into the small intestine and instantly your pancreas kicks in. Now your pancreas, you think of the pancreas producing insulin. Well, it does produce insulin. That helps control blood sugar, not for today's topic. Your pancreas also produces amylase, protease, and lipase, which break down fats, carbohydrates, and proteins. But here's another thing your pancreas does. 
your pancreas produces essentially baking soda because the acid food from your stomach goes into the small intestine and immediately the pancreas spits out baking soda to neutralize those acids. So if you're eating a combination of foods, you're eating too fast, you're putting your meals too, too close together, you're not digesting your food, your pancreas is overworked. And this is why pancreatic cancer is so deadly because the pancreas does so many different things. So I want you to start treating your pancreas nice. Take the stress off your pancreas by eating what we talked about. A plant-based diet, of course, is the best, mostly fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds. Uh, supple supplements, of course, are gonna be easy to digest. Dr. Joe's Supergreens, Dr. Joe's Essential Source, minimum amount of supplements you should be taking every day. If you're over 30 or 40 and you're eating a cooked meal, I'd recommend digestive enzymes. And this is all gonna help the digestive system work. If you have a lot of gas, if you have a weak immune system, I'm going to recommend Dr. Joe's probiotics as well because probiotics are the bacteria in your colon. So remember, the food's going from your mouth to your stomach to your small intestine, pancreas kicks in, now the bacteria kick in. And so the bacteria in your colon are actually digesting food as well. Simply put, they spit out what they don't want and you absorb it. And so that's good. But if you're doing things like antibiotics, which I'm not saying don't take antibiotics, but they can kill off the good bacteria in your colon. If you're uh, drinking chlorinated water, chlorine is an antibiotic. If you're eating foods that are sprayed with things like glyphosate, which is a weed killer, that acts as an antibiotic and starts to kill off the bacteria. So probiotics is something you might want to consider as well. Now, I'm going to go off on a tangent here for a second. It's really interesting. I went to a seminar the other day, and a neurologist was teaching it. She was talking about the, the treatment for uh, traumatic brain injuries from car accidents. And we do a lot of car accident cases. And the thing we do in our office is we actually treat them. So many doctors and clinics don't actually treat the car accident patients. They run up the bill, they settle a case, and the patient comes to us then and go, Doc, I went to this doctor, I won't mention a few names, a few clinics, and we didn't get really any treatment. They threw a hot pack on us, some stimulation. They never really adjusted us. They never treated us, and I'm still in pain, and now the case is settled. So that's why if you're ever in a car accident, I want you to come see us as soon as possible because we want to work on that. Um, but she was talking about traumatic brain injuries. When the, when the, when the body gets hit, the head snaps, snaps back and forth, and the skull slams brain slams against the skull. It's called a contra-coup injury. Contra-coup in French means back and forth. And it was really neat because she was talking about the drugs that they use, but she said, before we do the drugs, we like to try to do natural treatments. And she mentioned something like ginkgo biloba, nitric oxide, which opens up the blood vessels and increases circulation to the brain so it can heal. And I was so warmed by that. Because years ago, there were, there were two camps. There were the natural healers and there were the medical doctors, and that was it. Now the two are coming together, and I'm very, very happy to see that. And I'm hearing it more and more. So a lot of the supplements we talk about that I've been talking about for 35 years are now working their way into the medical world, which makes me very happy. Because I said, I want to try things like nitric oxide or ginkgo biloba first before we go into the other drugs, because the other drugs have side effects. Perfect. So we talked about car accidents. Let me go off on a tangent again. If you have any problems, neck pain, back pain, shoulder pain, numbness, tingling, you want to come see us. We have offices in Marietta, Duluth, and Stockbridge, Atlanta area. We want to be your doctors. So stop suffering needlessly. Don't be like so many of my patients and say, why didn't I do this sooner? So if you want to come see us, go to my website, drjoe.com. We accept most insurances, car accidents, sports injuries, Medicare. We want to work with you to get well and stay well. So what does chiropractic have to do with acid reflux and heartburn? The nerves in the upper part of the back control the stomach and the esophagus, the lower neck, upper back. So if you have pinched nerves, like you're in a car accident, let's say your head snaps around, you damage the neck and the upper back, you pinch the nerve to the organs. Now the organs may not be working properly. 
So even if we give you the best treatment on the organs, we pull the stomach away from the diaphragm, we massage the ileocecal valve, we get you on good supplements, you got to get the nerve supply working. That's why I say if you have pain, you have a pinched nerve. If you don't have pain, you still might have a pinched nerve. So we have ways in our offices to test the nerves that don't feel pain. So we can test the nerves that feel pain and the nerves that don't feel pain. So if you're doing everything we say, you're not getting all the results you want, the next step, which should be the first step, is check the nerve supply. Because the nerve supply, nerves, nerves control everything. So we want to try to do it without the medication. Now, heartburn medications are linked to heart attack. Heartburn is something we've all experienced at some point or another. My mother called them sour burps. Now, for many, many of us, it's just an unfortunate result. You ate a big meal and it, it goes away. But doctors many times recommend heartburn medications. Now, that appears to relieve some of the problems, but the drugs can, br can bring on more problems than the risk, than, than they're worth, I should say, because the risk is high. New research suggests that some of the heartburn medication might be linked to heart attacks. The study was conducted at Stanford University in California, found that taking what's called proton pump inhibitors, a very common form of heartburn drug, may be associated with increased risk of having a heart attack. The data analysis determined that there is an increased risk of heart attack for approximately 16 to 20% of the people that take it. And those who are overweight or obese, if they have high blood pressure, if you're a smoker, or if you're diabetic, already have enough risk for heart attack problems without the odds going up another 20%. So quite simply, if you're already taking, if you're already at risk and you add the proton pump inhibitors, one of the most popular class of drugs, that could mean many heart attacks uh, may occur and they can be avoided. How do they be avoided? By fixing this cause and not just treating the symptoms. So if we can pull the stomach down away from the diaphragm, if we can get you on a good diet, if we can get you eating small amounts of food instead of these big meals, if we can check the nerve supply to the organs, in many cases, patients don't need the medication. I cannot tell you to take meds or not take meds. That's not my job. My job is get you healthy enough so you don't need the meds. A lot of pain management doctors send their patients to us and say, Dr. Joe, you guys take a look at this patient. We're lost. We've given them medication. We've given the injections. They still have problems. And in a many, many of those cases, we get amazing results. And the doctors love it because they look like heroes because they referred them to us. And many times if we need pain management, we'll send you out for pain management for medications. So we work very closely with the doctors and the hospitals in our area because we all realize we can all help each other. And with the proton pump inhibitors, this is a biggie. It shuts down your stomach acid production. We, and we pull the stomach away from the diaphragm. The body is fixed because you need acid. Now, proton pump inhibitors are often considered, considered long-term maintenance therapy because as soon as you top ta stop taking them, the symptoms come back. And they've been linked to such things as headaches, nausea, pneumonia, osteoporosis. They're also associated with calcium and B12 deficiencies. And the reason is when you take these supplements, they many times prevent you from properly absorbing calcium, B12, iron, and magnesium. You need B12 to form the myelin sheath, which makes the nerves work. And so from a chiropractic standpoint, we want to get the nervous system working the best it can. We want to get all the chemicals in there to make it work. We want to make sure there's no pinched nerves, no swelling. So we want to get the body well. And if you're taking these medications, you may not be absorbing B12, which affects the problem. It may lead to incomplete digestion and anemia because you're not absorbing iron because the food needs acid to work. And if you stop producing acid, the food sits in your colon and it rots. It passes into the small intestine, which can cause an inflammatory reaction. And a lot of people will have irritable bowel syndrome, um, other diseases, they may call it uh, Crohn's disease. And then oftentimes, we fix the digestive system, getting the nerves working and adjusting the organs themselves and getting the diet straightened out, and these diseases go away. Doctors love it. 
because now their patients are getting great results. Patients love it because you're getting great results. And so everybody's happy. Nobody's, nobody's sad. And people get well. Isn't it cool? It's a lot cheaper for you, too. So uh, the proton pump inhibitors push already teetering people over the edge into heart attack territory when, uh, when it's just proverbially the wrong place at the wrong time. You're taking the medication, the heart's already weak, bam. Now, who has a lot of acid reflux? People that don't eat a good diet and are overweight. I used to be overweight, so I can say that. So considering researchers have found evidence that proton pump inhibitors affect the heart, it's probably a pretty good chance that uh, the heart's not an innocent bystander. It's going to get attacked and, and have problems with it. There are better ways to get rid of your heartburn issues uh, than medicine, if necessary. If you need the medicine, please, I'm going to say take it. So instead of treating the symptoms, make changes that are going to eliminate the problem and get to the source. Start by improving your diet. You want to eat more nutritious foods. Dr. Joe supergrees. Dr. Joe's essential source. Digestive enzymes if you're eating cooked foods. Probiotics if you have digestive issues. And the colon if you've wiped out those colon with, with uh, uh, antibiotics. Lower calorie foods. And lose some of that weight. Is it hard to lose weight? Yes. We have a doctor-supervised weight loss program in our office that we do. And we can do this anywhere for anybody, really, anywhere in the world. And we, we put you on uh, supplements and protocol to start with. And then we work uh, for like 21 days. And then we work on getting your body changed. When you're overweight, and again, I used to be fat, so I can say the F word. I used to be fat. When you're fat, you're not fat. You're toxic and the brain isn't working. Now, if we can get the brain working properly by absorbing the nutrients breaking proteins into amino acids, getting you on good supplements, now the body is capable of starting to heal. Up to that point, you're just struggling. How many people have been on diets and lose weight, gain weight, lose weight, gain weight? You're not getting to the cause of the problem. If you drink, if you drink alcohol, folks, cut it back or cut it out. If you smoke, I don't think I need to tell you to stop smoking. Use digestive enzymes, so important to help support the digestive process. Take better care of yourselves. Not only get rid of the need for the proton pump inhibitors, we hope, but also the risk, lower the risk of heart attack and other conditions. Because again, the, these drugs prevent you from absorbing calcium, B12, iron, and magnesium. So if you're among the 20 million plus Americans taking an acid-inhibiting drug to treat your heartburn, I want you to be aware. Most of the risks far outweigh the benefits, and there's plenty of alternatives that you can do to help eliminate the heartburn without serious side effects. Now, there's a lot of research on this. It clearly shows that proton pump inhibitors, and I won't use brand names here, are severely overprescribed and misused. Here's the thing with proton pump inhibitors. They're not supposed to be used long term. If you read the directions, they're only supposed to be used for a couple of weeks and then stop. But you can't stop because then the symptoms come back. So you can eat certain foods. Things like super greens, an essential source, can help alkalize your system. Uh, celery, spinach, and figs, excellent for alkalizing the system. So you can do that temporarily until you can get it fixed, like coming to see us, so we can work on that. Proton pump inhibitors are most one of the most widely prescribed drugs today. Annual sales of around $14 billion. Now, I'm a capitalist. If the drug companies want to sell you something, that's their choice. I just want to let you know there might be alternatives. So you can choose. Do the alternatives, take the medication, totally up to you. Now, it's despite the fact that they were never intended to be used for, this is funny, for heartburn in the first place. Most of the powerful class of antacid drugs were actually designed to treat a very limited range of problems, such as bleeding ulcers, a, a rare condition that causes excess stomach acid production, extremely rare as a matter of fact, severe acid reflux, where an endoscopy is confirmed that the esophagus is being damaged. That's what these drugs were invented for. They weren't intended for long-term use. And if you take them for long-term use, you're going to start to have problems. Folks, got a lot more to cover. I'm running out of time, though. If you want more information, go to my website, drjoe.com. I, I have a great article in there uh, on my website, first article, actually. It's called uh, Gastroesophageal Reflux Disease, GERD. You can read that. 
If you want to listen to other shows, this and a thousand plus other shows, they're all on the website, drjoe.com. And if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, if you have neck pain, back pain, shoulder pain, if you've ever been in a car accident ever, if the car was damaged, you were damaged. If you'd like a second opinion, we can read your MRIs, we can read your x-rays with you and give you a second opinion on options on how to get well and stay well. Folks, I'm Dr. Joe Esposito at the website, drjoe.com. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to For the Health Fit. Remember to subscribe to this podcast and I'll help you naturally get well and stay well. You can also listen to and call into my radio show live Sunday evenings from 7 to 9 Eastern Time on wsbradio.com and on a WSB Radio app.